As we prepare to hear God's word, let's first pray and ask God to open our hearts and minds to what God might be saying to us today. Lord our God, we approach scripture and we know that in this book are your words of grace and truth, of hope and of love. And I pray that you would hold us and create in us a stillness that we might be able to hear your words of grace and love for us today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From the book of Isaiah, the first being Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child who has been born for us, a child given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The second reading is from Isaiah also, chapter 11, verses one through nine. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord.
So today we are talking about the candle of Villette, the gift of peace that Christ brings to us. Before diving into this, I want to just take a moment, maybe take a breath, maybe close your eyes if that's comfortable to you, and just wonder about what peace is, how you've seen it show up in your life, and how it shows up in the world. So just take a moment. Perhaps peace is what just came over us. <laughs> that state of silence, but yet a, a restfulness that's full of energy and potential <clears throat> as well. For me, the thoughts that came to mind as I was thinking about what peace is were an inner state of quiet or stillness, um, lack of conflict with people in my life, or the, the ceasing of wars, probably, you know, very commonplace and, and, and uh, right as well. And the, all the things that we were mentioning this morning, the kids mentioned already. And maybe your definitions were the same, maybe broader. Um, but today, what I wanted to do is explore a little bit about what um, the word peace means in Scripture, how it's used in its context. And then from there, kind of learn about what um, a gift it is from God and how that foundation of peace allows for growth and flourishing for us in the world. And then also finish by adding reflection on, on how we can be peacemakers in the world. Um, all this just stirring reflection about what this really important gift from God is. So diving in, the Old Testament word here, uh, perhaps you know it, is shalom. Uh, it is a word that comes from another word, salam, um, which signifies a sense of well-being or completeness or wholeness, soundness, rest, prosperity within and around us. And it also means freedom from agitation or discord or division. One of the things about shalom in, in the Old Testament is it's used for a lot of different things, and so it's hard for people to pin down exactly what it is. But um, two specific things that I kind of wanted to zone in on were this, that shalom, peace, means wholeness or completeness. And I believe this is where it's associated with war and violence and conflict, because wholeness means the absence of divisions within yourself or absence of brokenness in relationships or in communities, or the absence of violence that tears apart warring nations. So it's a wholeness, a completeness. But a second thing, beyond being um, wholeness and completeness, there's something positive about this term. It's not just about you know, stop, you know, nations that stop warring against one another. It's actually meant to talk about nations that not only stop warring against one another, but start working for each other's benefit and good. And so peace is not just the absence of war, but it means prosperity and goodwill and flourishing in Scripture. And it has this positive connotation. So shalom is a state of completeness or wholeness in and around us that is a potential to bring about flourishing. I wanted to, to bring this down a little bit, so what I decided to do was 
break out the old big Jenga set. It's too bad that the kids have to leave when we start playing with things, you know? They're gonna be upset. I'm sure I'm gonna have like Nick yell at me or something. Probably. So, uh, in the book of, of Joshua in the Old Testament, uh, the word shalom has a very tangible connotation. Essentially, um, it describes a brick. Joshua says, make an altar to God of shalom stones, peaceful stones, meaning untouched, whole, unharmed stones with no cracks or no divisions in them. Shalom was used to refer also, not just to one brick, but also a complex structure with many parts to it, but no gaps or cracks. I'm gonna try to build some structure here. Play around with, actually, I'll flip this way. And there are gonna be some gaps, but it's going to be part of the creative design, okay? So we'll just say that right now. There was a time in youth group when, uh, when I think Tom Priest decided to try to touch the ceiling with Jenga blocks stacked like this, which was quite a feat of human ingenuity, I must say. We almost did it. We almost accomplished it as a group. Actually, I think we did before it fell. But just to let you know the kind of things that go on in youth group. So, I would say this is kind of a complex structure. Pat myself on the back a little bit. Look at that. No gaps. Well, kind of, but you get the point. Soundness, complex. And so, in, in Scripture, the word shalom can mean something that has a lot of complex parts, but is whole and complete. So think of this. We'll use this little structure that I built as a way of describing a home, even though it doesn't look like a home, maybe a modern home, one of those weird modern homes that have popped up. But anyway, a home is built with a solid foundation, sizable amount of bricks or wood or other materials, and has a complex design. And when it's all complete, it's in a state of shalom. It's in a state of shalom because it's constructed and brought to wholeness and completeness but also, as we learn positively, a home can be a place where families or people can experience well-being and security and begin to flourish. And such is the case in the very, very beginning of, of Scripture's story, when everything, God said, was good and well and beautiful, and on the seventh day, everything was complete and whole. And so God rested. God enjoyed this state of shalom. There was this original blessing of shalom. And the also interesting part about this is that creation had this potential to continue to grow and to flourish according to its design. It wasn't static, like as if it was just done, but creation itself was given life to begin to unfurl, and humans were part of the design to help craft the world and bring it to beauty as it flourished. So shalom denotes this whole, uninterrupted, unfragmented, right relationship with God and this world, with God and with us, with us and each other, with us and this creation. It's what we're created for, it's what we're designed for, to live without division in us or among us. But the shalom was 
and is disrupted in the homes of us in this world. Perhaps we notice it in the homes of our lives as individuals when we notice some anxiety or angst within us, some unrest in our heart and mind. Maybe when we're confronted by love and so we decide to run or hide or control it. When our minds race endlessly or just fixated with anxiety. Or maybe a mind or heart that decides to tear down the image of our bodies. We notice the disruption of shalom in our homes, our relationships, or our communities. We long to trust and love and long for so much in our relationships, yet sometimes they disappoint us because of reasons of ourselves or each other. It doesn't take long also to look at the news and see a litany of hurts and injustices and inequalities because humans lack the care for one another that we were designed to give. And finally, we notice the disruption of shalom in the great home, our common home of creation, in the ways of greed and consumerism that makes us hungry for more and more and more, that leads to less and less and less that the world can give. Scripture speaks ad nauseum about how shalom is no more. It's like a house whose gaps are pulled out and everything comes crashing down. But when we come here, we center around a book and celebrate a God who decides to pick up all those broken and fragmented pieces in our lives, in our communities, in our relationships, and in our world. Recall with me those words from Isaiah. To us, a child is born who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of wholeness, of completeness, of flourishing. And his authority will grow continually and there shall be endless peace. The scripture points us to how Jesus fulfills this long-awaited desire in all the, all the prophets talked about. This desire for shalom and wholeness, for God to come and rebuild all the homes of our lives and our communities and our world. Call me these words from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and fear of the Lord. This Prince of Peace will give good things, and with righteousness he will judge the needy. The justice he gives, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. And on that day, the wolf shall lie, live with the lamb, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. 
The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's dung. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. It's a picture of shalom and peace and wholeness and flourishing. The good news is how it it means something for us presently. Jesus sets a foundation for us as individuals because his unfailing love is to come for each one of us personally, to mend the divisions within us, to stop our hearts from racing without rest, to bring wholeness to whatever holes there are inside of us. Jesus comes to bring a firm foundation to the relationships and the communities that we have together as humans. Mindful of the way in um, this passage it speaks of of the whole dimension of of human earth between the, the wicked and the just, the unjust and the just, the poor and the rich. You have this whole picture of how Jesus rewrites these relationships. And lastly, that picture of animals lying down with one another, no longer being enemies to one another, is this picture, this whole picture of how Jesus becomes the one to recreate the world in harmony and wholeness. Jesus is the Prince of Peace who seeks to restore the shalom and wholeness and ability of the world to flourish. One of the things that I was thinking about this week is actually a passage from his own life, Jesus' life. So Isaiah comes 500 years or so before, um, all 700, 500 years before Jesus walked the earth. But Uh, In Jesus' ministry, one of the first things he does is provide this grand vision of what the world ought to be like. He, in the first one, his first actions of ministry, climbs up a mountain like many people of God before, and he offers the Beatitudes during the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to listen to these words. And notice how well they imitate the ones from Isaiah. When Jesus saw the crowds, He went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. I always come across this and find it utterly odd and strange what Jesus says here, but it's a picture of how he's making this world, the whole world, whole. And the amazing thing is that he entrusts to us a a task of doing that with him, of becoming peacemakers. And I think that we have the charge to think about how we make peace and wholeness and flourishing for all the things that we've been talking about. And the thing that I want to provoke to you is is the thoughts of, of how we do that. How do we become peacemakers in our own lives, in the home of our own lives? Maybe in our hearts that need to kind of go through some of the conflict that we've created or have experienced in our life. Because the only way to try find true, lasting wholeness and peace is to experience that, kind of like the example that Tom put about the manger earlier. How do we care for our mind? How do we really thoroughly think through the ways in which we invest in filling our minds with good things, wholesome things, getting care for what we might need mentally. Because there is no shame in that. How do we continue to grow and become wise? Lastly, how do we stop the the chatterbox of criticisms for the one body that God gave to us? How do we begin to love and nurture and care for ourselves physically? And lastly, what are the ways in which you specifically can begin to care for yourself as well? Maybe you enjoy sitting in meditation. Maybe you enjoy going on long walks. Maybe you need to invest in things that truly bring you peace in your life. What about the next thing? How, do we, how are we peacemakers in the external things, in the relationships, in the communities that we are a part of? One of the amazing parts of, of Scripture that I think are incredible rules to live by is a part in Micah, Micah 6.8. It says this. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but ensuring that no person is lacking what they need. Doing justice is a way of paying attention to the cries of the oppressed and the people who are hurting, who aren't the majority, and who feel like they are constantly kicked down. It's about listening to the voices and lives of the oppressed and the powerless and the orphans and those who often don't give a, get a voice. How do we listen to and care for those people as a church and as individuals? How do we love kindness? How do we treat each other well and encourage one another and build each other up and seek to fill the holes in our lives with good, encouraging comments and love? Lastly, walk humbly. How do we see that we don't always get it right? How do we have the humility to seek understanding, a greater understanding for how we might live in our life?
Lastly, um, I wanted to bring up a, a quote by um, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers, because um, I think there's, there's a part of, of conspiring for how we care for the world that, that he summed up well. Mr. Rogers said this, as human beings, our, jo- our job in life is to help people realize how rare and valuable each one of us really is. That each one of us has something that no one else has or ever will have something inside. And that is unique to all the time. And so it's our job to encourage each other to discover that uniqueness and provide ways of developing its expression. There's something to the way in which each of us in our own way can find a particular expression of of showing justice and kindness and humility in this world. Lastly, how might we be peacemakers in our common home of this earth? One way is to celebrate and notice the beauty that God created all around us. Another way is to take real account of what's going on in the world, the things that are creating division and hurting this earth and degradating it day by day, and finding ways to rewrite those patterns and find different ways of caring for this earth. And lastly, thinking about ways that prepare this world for being better than how we received it. In each of these things, we can find a building block of thinking how we might do this in our own particular way. And above all, whatever you do may be bound together with faith, hope, and love. Let's pray. God, may you be powerfully present between the words that have been spoken and the words that have been heard. May you inspire peaceful making and living in the lives of all these people so the world might come to know the wholeness and the shalom and the peace and the flourishing that you desire for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.